This is a shock podcast. Hi, this is the I'm Not Crazy, I'm in Therapy podcast. I'm your host Fairy from Sitting in the Nude and I'm Not Crazy, I'm in Therapy. We talk about all the crazy worst ways to do something and hopefully in the process we'll find some good ways to how to deal with something where it could help better our mental health, emotional health and whatnot. So I've got our resident therapist once again, Dr. Chua from Relate Malaysia. Hi Dr. Chua. Hello. Hi. And then now I've got uh, a new guest today which is Jasmine King, a sex positive advocate from Malaysia in Malaysia. From Malaysia and Malaysia everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, basically. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm really happy to have you on today, Jazz, because we're going to be talking about narcissism. And you were so happy to share, well, I don't know what happy, but you sent in five crazy worst ways on dealing with a narcissist. Yes. And I really want to learn more about that because I think I'm learning about that more recently. It's, it's quite a complicated topic. Is that correct? It is. Um, complicated is one way of saying it, I would say. It's also very interesting and very, you know, you sometimes you don't really know you're going through it until you get out of it and you're just like, oh, okay, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's. I think from what I've read, because I did some research as well, it's, they're quite smart, actually, they, with the way they twist things and like maybe it makes you doubt yourself, all those sort of things, the usual stuff. And people just normally know narcissists to just be gaslighters. That's the famous term that is usually used around narcissists, correct? Probably. Gaslighters are just people who just think about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. And I think smart is probably one of the ways. I think another thing is probably, that's just the way they know. That's the only thing they know, really. Mm, if they right. That's how they grew up with people around them. So yeah, it's just about us sort of understanding what that is. So I'm really excited to share that today. Yay, cool. So should we just get straight into it, as we always do, which is the first one that you wrote was feeding into their ego and telling them they're right. Why did you write this? Is there any, by the way, any specific story that you have? Tell us. Hmm. Well, I think when I listed down all of these really horrible ways of dealing with someone who's a narcissist, I was thinking more of sort of ex-partners. I was thinking family members, friends who are narcissists themselves. And it took me a while to kind of understand that they are narcissists. So feeding into the ego and telling them they're right, it's just... It's just a way for me to, uh, you know what, I talk to you also, there's no point. You know, I might as well just say, yes, 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 like, whatever you want, like, just go with it, like, you know, just so that I could move on with my life. Um, because they don't want to listen to whatever I have to say. They only, the only thing they think about is I am right, no one else is right, you know. And maybe they will listen this one time and then they kind of like, whoop, the next time it's just, I, yeah, it's the same thing over and over again. Mm. And so I'm always like, you know, okay, I'm just going to give it to you. Like. Right. That sounds very, very frustrating and very confusing at the same time. It is, yeah. it is. Dr. Chow, what do you feel? Well, I'm, I'm curious first, um, how, how did you say you sort of came to that realisation and, and what helped you to realise that? That they are narcissists? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think when I real what came to that realization was when sort of whatever I do, it doesn't matter because the only voice of reason they want to hear is of their own reason, their own voice. So I could cry and shout and do everything. But see, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I would tell them slowly like what I feel and what I think, and they would never want to listen until I make a huge scene. Mm -hmm. Until I like cry and make, you know, to escalate. until it escalates. And then, you know, that's when either they will try to then 
you know, talk to me about it or they're just like, oh, you're just being overreacting. You're just being emotional in that, you know, then I'm just like, what's the point? Mm. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I was asking that question because I, I assume that, you know, many listeners might say, well, my family members don't listen to me. You know, they dismiss my feelings, but not all of them are narcissists. You know, so for you, is there was there something that you know was a defining characteristic for this particular family member? Um, it's a very clear that they are narcissistic. They're also manipulative, and they also they're also prone to like lying and kind of mm-hmm. taking advantage. Not just me, but it's a pattern that has been going on ever since I was young with other family members. Right. And so I sort of identify as them as being narcissists because nothing else matters to them. Yeah. But what's important is their safety, their happiness. And whenever they get pissed off, yeah. they just kind of, I just want to hurt everybody mm-hmm. because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and yeah, they don't really care about anybody else but themselves. Right. Yeah. I, I guess a really important point, right? That it's not just you that be, they're behaving that way so it's, you can't just say well if only I change then they'll behave differently you actually see the same behavior yeah. in their many different relationships where they put themselves first you know narcissists that's sort of the defining characteristic and I, I wouldn't recommend anyone to then go and diagnose everyone in their lives but the, the defining characteristic is that grandiosity right like yeah. I'm so important mm. and I am uh, but also that inflated sense of self-esteem yeah. Right. So not only do they maybe think poorly of others, they think very well of themselves. Yeah. Right. I I also have a question because this is exactly it where I think the term narcissism is thrown around a lot and people tend to diagnose people on the whim a lot of the time because when someone they notice someone's a bit self absorbed, like, Oh, you're definitely a narcissist and I think I agree that's not fair, right? When people just diagnose just like that. But how you say the word grandiose, how grandiose are we talking here? You know, how do we know for sure like okay this person mm-hmm. we're not imagining it right so bill gates came and he says you know what guys i'm very rich you were right. like what you're a grandiose it's not, you're like you probably said yes you're very rich um you know but if if i come to you and says you know what i am probably the richest person on earth and that's not true so you know so, right. so this they exaggerate their achievements there's just no evidence to that they may say i'm really so i'm the greatest person i'm so smart Ever. i'm the smartest person right, in, in the, the world, world. <laughs> you know and you know if you only saw my sat scores you would see how great mm. i did you know and so they believe that they're very special um they're they're quite taken up by these fantasies of uh, power of success of brilliance um, and they want people to admire them, you know, for those things. So, but because I, I think that all of us have a, a part of us that are arrogant. Yes, you know, we, <laughs> so we may not always be listening well to others. And so, we're really talking about you know individuals who um, is a sort of continuum of the, the extreme. Yeah, where they think so highly of themselves, they think they're so great, despite maybe evidence to the contrary, and they put others down. You know, and they want people to to acknowledge how amazing they are. So I guess that that resonates with your experience where they didn't want to listen to you. You know, they kind of dismiss. Yeah, Yeah. they dismiss and they kind of manipulate or they kind of change certain things to make me feel really low in order for them to make sense of whatever they're trying to kind of fight for, whatever they're trying to say. So their goals, their needs. Yeah, and what I also um, understood from narcissistic people is that they're also quite actually low self-esteem is also part of it. Like, just two particular people that I think about is, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like they don't have a lot of self-esteem that they kind of have to, like, become a peacock. So they constantly have to peacock themselves just to show something that Mm. could also probably be one of it, especially with these two people. 
Yeah, that's like the classic view of narcissism is that your external and internal self-esteem. So externally, they might say, I'm so great. And internally, they may not. But that's, it's quite hard to tell. I think the, the best we probably say they have very fragile self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You know, so they always want to for you to keep boosting them up. Mm-hmm. So if they're maybe not admired by you, then, you know, the, the defensive comes up. You know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't have to put you down because it's, it's easily threatened. Right, right. I'm just starting to think, like, how many percent of the world are narcissists, you know? We don't know. Because it, it's, it's not, I mean, they're not going forth to, like, I mean, they don't mm-hmm. often present for treatment. Right. Right, because there's nothing wrong with them. So I think it's quite hard to get them in for treatment. Right, right. Unless they're, they're mandated by court, unless they did something. Right, right. Um, and so there's some overlapping, I think, traits with, you know, you talk about maybe like sociopaths who also like empathy, like you were saying. But, uh, you know, sort of that, that thing of that they're so arrogant and they're mm. so grandiose and full of their self-importance and, you know, that fragile self-esteem that you referred to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes it very hard to be in relationship with them, I assume. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's, it is. That's all to I say. I would say it is a challenge. <laughs> On that note, we'll move to the second one, which is, you wrote jazz, which is going along with what they want me to do, even it's against who I am, just so they will shut up and disengage. That is another crazy worst way on dealing with a narcissist. Why Why do you say this? Well, again, I mean, as a narcissistic person, they, the only people that they want to listen to is themselves, you know, or they would probably want to listen to you if you validate whatever they go through. Mm. And so... I'm actually, I would kind of consider myself as a very strong person. I would consider myself as someone who has very strong boundaries. If I say no, if I don't like something, I'll say it. I have no problem saying it, telling people about it. But for some reason, with my narcissistic ex, it was it was harder. Like, I think I constantly find myself trying to sort of shut them up. Like, just saying, yeah, some, sometimes I have to literally let go of everything. Maybe I would be very, very busy that time, but then suddenly they want my help. And I have to, even though I'm like, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. And then they just kind of guilt me mm. into, you know, they'll be like, oh, but you don't care about me. Oh, when I need it, you most, and mm. you just don't think about me. And I'm like, that's not true. You know, there's so many other things. Yeah, but like, this is the one time that I need your help. You know, that was a long time wow. ago and everything. And I was just like... You know, part of me is like trying to tell them like, but that's not true and trying to kind of reason with myself. But also part of me is like, I care about this person and I kind of like, you know what? Okay, you know what? I'm just going to let go of everything. I'm just going to go to you. Can you wait for a while? Yeah, yeah, I can wait. However, but I just need you to be here. And so, you know, uh, with other people, other things, I would just be like, no, like, you know, you have to figure yourself out. And I think towards the end of my relationship was when I was more, because I was, so f- I was so fed up about it, I was just like, figure yourself out. You know, you're a big boy. Talk to people, ask people. Um, and sometimes I would know that he needs my help, even though he doesn't actually say it, but I would just assume that he can figure it out himself, as opposed to, like, me asking, okay, what help do you want me yeah. to do, mm. you know? Um, yeah. So that was towards the end of the relationship. Um, yeah, kind of just doing things so that they just will shut up. That's what I would always do. Yeah. I have a curious question. This, When you th- realized he was a narcissist, was it towards the end of the relationship or during the relationship or after the relationship? I think it was during the relationship. Mm. Um, and I feel like 
So like I don't know if it's like a a trade of like women's trade or whatever, but I definitely feel I feel like I can fix this person, and I could help them, and I could like I think I'm also right. quite empathetic. So I'm always like, okay, I want to help. Let, let's just see how this you know blah blah blah. And and I think towards the end was when I was just you know I don't think you can help anybody. Mm-hmm. You can you need to only help yourself at the end of the day because if it's ruining, it's sort of disturbing your mental health. Yeah. It's not making you happy. Yeah. Um and if you're constantly looking at other people's relationship and being like, why is it so easy with other people and their relationship? Why is it so hard? I mean, I could talk to my friend about my problems and they just straight away like, I understand what you're feeling. Versus my ex, it's like, he doesn't want to listen to me because he always makes it about himself until it just kind of escalate, escalate into something big and then I just will burst over the simplest, silliest thing. And then instead of him acknowledging all the other days that I was upset, he just will say, why are you so pissed off over a box and I'm like I've been trying to tell you to move this box for months you know but you just never did and you know I wish I had the tools of saying this is what I'm feeling as opposed to this box annoys me yeah yeah I'm happy that you got got out of this relationship even though you did realize that you wanted to fix it and be the person to fix it then you realize that it isn't about you anymore and you had to leave it right yeah yeah. Dr. Cha, what do you feel about this shutting up and disengaging portion? Is that very normal? That happens a lot of the time with people dealing with narcissists? I guess it depends on what you want, right? It, it sounds like just like one of the effects that it had is that it, it was bottling, you know, mm. you know, kind of bottling up and then, you know, you kind of piled up and piled up and then eventually overflowed and, you know, maybe in a... Uh, disproportionate way about mm. something else yeah. you know so it, then that's not great but I guess you know if, if you don't want to get into an argument you know maybe that you're going to say I don't want to get into an argument so I'm going to say are there other options than agreeing I guess you could say I agree to disagree you know but if the only option is that they're going to pull you into an argument you know, and you want to leave. I can understand why people would say, okay, okay, okay. You know, in the long run, it's not a great strategy. But, you know, I think it sounds like sometimes you were pushed to the yeah. corner and you couldn't say anything else because they weren't listening. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what that's what I mean by my values. I have to kind of let go of my values because I'm not a person to bottle things up. Mm-hmm. Like if the moment I feel yeah. something, I'm actually, I'm really honest. I don't like to have all of this baggage or like mm-hmm. bottles and everything. I just wanted to talk about it, have a mature conversation and move on. And, you know, we agree to disagree. But in a lot of situation, I whenever I tell that something to him, he just doesn't want to listen or he kind of like kind of put it push pulling right. you know like right. kind of twist it yes, back yes, and kind yes. of make it about me sometimes he doesn't even realize it like yeah. um and then i'm like i have no choice but to just right. let it yes. go so then the silence saying eventually i guess you in some ways that you let go of your own values as well then like you kind of yeah. acted against your own like values. i didn't know who i was yes. at the end of the relationship uh-huh. Uh-huh. i this is not me so yes. i think after the breakup and i kind of start dating around again i was just very adamant and like i need to really push this right. is me this, so, these, these are things that are important to me and these, I can't shut up about those correct. things yeah, these are right. things that are important to me and he, all my dates right now even if I just met them for the first time and mm. I would already assert a, a sense of myself and maybe for some people it would be like oh it's too much on the first date but not that I give out I just 
put boundaries. You yes, know? I'm yes. just I'll just tell them straight up like, hey, actually, I don't like you texting me a lot. Right. You know, or something yeah. like that. I need my space. Yeah. So eventually, that you know, you weren't just saying, okay, let's not argue about this thing. It was that it was about so many things, and you got smaller and smaller and smaller I did. and smaller. Yeah. I got so small. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of boundaries, the third one that you wrote, Jazz was not placing any boundaries, always justifying and explaining yourself and giving them ammunition. Another crazy worst way on dealing with a narcissist. Ha! It's good that you knew that you really wanted, you place boundaries in general, but I suppose you really learned boundaries after this particular relationship or... Yeah, yeah. I think I... Well, I mean, I've always known about boundaries. I've always quite strong with my boundary but I think after this relationship my boundary making has been has gotten a bit tighter Mm. not that I'm really like strict with everything but I think it was just important for me to have boundaries important for the other person to also know that they can have boundaries around me you know Um, so I think with this particular point of not placing any boundaries always justifying and explaining myself I think what I meant by that is that because I whenever I talk to you, you don't want to listen to me. I find myself always trying to explain what I mean and what I, you know, it's not to hurt your feelings. It's just what I'm thinking. Sometimes it has nothing to do with him at all. Sometimes I'm just complaining, right? There's this one time I kind of make fun. Um, not re- Yeah, it wasn't a complaint. It was just me kind of poking fun like, oh my gosh, my friend is going on a holiday again. Lucky la. Lucky boyfriend can like layan, you know, and everything. Mm. And suddenly he was just like, so you're saying I'm not a good boyfriend. And I was just like, no, it's not that. I'm, I'm just saying like, lucky la, you know, can go holiday. So you're saying like, I don't treat you enough mm-hmm. that like you want a holiday mm-hmm. and you kind of, you know, what are you saying this about me? Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with you. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just expressing myself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I have to, not only do I have to explain myself, but I also have to kind of um, like sayang sayang him a soothe bit him, soothe him yeah. and just go like it's not you you know you're, you're, you're an amazing person I was just like why do mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. you know it is very tiring and this is just one time there's so many times when I had to do that I had but who will soothe me when I need some sense of validation some sense yeah. of soothing because I definitely can't depend on him right so the rela- in, in the relationship he was at the centre right and then you had to revolve around him yeah so you could be like comp- saying something unrelated and he'll make it, a- you said he'll make it about him again. Yeah. And again and again. And also again. it doesn't help that he doesn't have friends. Oh. So uh-huh. then I become his, his whole life will. support. I am his life support. Yes, yes. You know, every time he has a problem, he comes to me. Every time he, just everything was me. Right. So and mm-hmm. I felt responsible in so many ways. And how do I? Too much, huh? How do I get out uh-huh, of that? Uh-huh. And it's just really silly because my previous partner before him was also the same thing. So it was essentially I'm I'm with the same kind of partner. It's just the previous partner was just very secluded and very whatever. Second partner is the same thing, but oh all they're just narcissistic. Yeah. So I'm you like, gotta see who are you attracting? I know. I need to break my pattern, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's also in, I mean, it's another topic of who we're attracted to and who's attracted mm-hmm. to us. You know, what are we giving out? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you became I guess sort of anything you've said he would interpret it yeah. as you're saying something negative yeah. and he would take it sort of like as an insult so that you would have to then kind of reassure him that you he, he's great is it that you have to then overcompensate yeah yes I do I do and, and yeah again going back of like 
I feel a sense of responsibility. Because you said the be, original be, thing? Be, well, I feel a sense of responsibility towards him because I am the only oh, person right. he shares yes, everything yes. to. Uh-huh. And which is why right now... I guess he reminded you of that. Yeah. I think, so right now, now that I'm single, I'm constantly like, okay, my you next... You have friends. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the next person I'm dating. So I'm currently, you know, actively meeting people and dating. And one of the main things, I was like, do you have friends? That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yes. know, do you have enough they support They need a social system? network. Correct. Yeah. Like, because it's very important to understand is that even if we are a partner we are a girlfriend you know like in a relationship it doesn't mean I am your world and you are my world yeah yeah. you know and and that's, I, I think I'm glad you brought that up because you know it's kind of easy for us to generalize and then stereotype and say they're just awful people but also I think what you're talking about is like in their in, in their lives it's not great as well yeah. you know to be isolated to have no other friends to to see this person and to solely depend only on one person yeah boy you know that's a he's also having a difficult time I, I'm also wondering um, because in term, I'm still understanding narcissism in general because it's a very deep and complicated topic so from the sounds of all these symptoms like always bringing it back to themselves very like just sounds very insecure in general but how bad is the insecurity in terms of a narcissist? And, and, and like, because I'm sure some people listening at home be like, oh, but yeah, I do that sometimes. I make it about me when I feel so insecure in my relationship. Yeah. How does this, um, you know, separate being a narcissist and just being purely insecure? Or just, is that just what it's surrounded by? Are narcissists just very, very insecure people? Like, Yeah, well, that's why I said everything's on a continuum, right? We can all have maybe one trait or at times we behave in some ways. Mm. But, you know, I think Jess is rightly pointing out it's all the time all to, the time to okay. most so most I mean let's not exaggerate most of the time to most people across relationships you know so we're talking about a, a sort of it's uh, not a peri- periodical thing it's no a- no it's not just like once in a while it's like most of the time this person mm. is very consistently um, being grandiose uh, self-important making about them lacking empathy um, in demanding for admiration and to be soothed and to mm. be the center of your world but you know I it's also mindful that that came from somewhere you know that often if you look at their childhood of people who, who are like that they didn't get a lot of unconditional love either right. you know they're, they're, they were they didn't develop into a healthy human being with a great social network and who was then able to take care of your needs mm. you know they kind of that starving yeah. feeling and they yeah. kind of then demand for it right. or maybe they get too much love that they get really this this inflate that I don't know there's this idea of people should serve me all the time what are the different types of narcissists because I remember there was grandiose and there were others do you know no, those are just like uh, traits oh, okay yeah, yeah. Um, then my question would be um, for everyone at home and for me what are the usual symptoms of a narcissist for everyone to understand okay so we got um, so a pervasive pattern of grandiosity need for admiration uh, lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood right so you got that grandiose sense of self-importance they, they are preoccupied with fantasies of success power brilliance beauty perfect love they believe they're special and can only be understood by some people they want uh, excessive admiration they have a sense of entitlement they exploit others. They take advantage of other people to achieve their own ends. Hmm. They lack empathy and unwilling to identify with the needs of others. Uh, envious of other people and believe that other people are envious of them. Show arrogance uh, and 
behaviors and attitudes. Now, that's the narcissistic personality disorder as defined by the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So that one is clinical, you know, and I, I think that maybe we know people with several traits or we to some degree, maybe we want to, I, I can't imagine any of us don't want to be admired, you know? <laughs> but again, we're really talking about quite extreme, very pervasive, uh, unable to really connect with, with other people, right? And and then kind of making everyone about themselves. Um, yeah, does that help? Yeah, that does help. And what, what, what really usually creates a narcissist? What kind of, you know, childhood? Or is it just... Boom! You're you're unlucky. You've got a narcissistic child. Sorry to sound very blunt. No, I mean everything is always going to boil down to a, a combination of um, environment and biology. Right? It's always that nature mm. and nurture is never one or the other. But typically, I mean, even someone that we perceive to be getting a lot of attention will say, "But I never felt loved." You know, right. so they could be given stuff. You know, so we we know people who are like they they seem to get everything they want. But what they actually want, which is maybe connection or to uh, feel loved and to be able to listen to, that's not there. You know, so I think that that part is quite starved. And, you know, when we think about a child um, and we think, well, this guy has, he, he, there are no limits set on them. There are no boundaries. That's not great for them either, right? Because they're not actually learning how to connect with other people. So, you know, mm. love, a loving childhood, so let me, a loving development is, is an environment where the person receives love, you know, um, un- unconditionally. Like, it's not that you never do anything wrong, but even when you do something wrong, you're still loved. But also learning how to love others. So yeah. and it could be that when they did love others, it was also rejected, mm. you know. So I think those two are, you know, very key developmental tasks for a child and more often than not, we see that one or both of them, um, something you know, in both these aspects, weren't um, weren't present. Right. Very, very interesting. Do you have any other questions? Um, I think not so much question. I think it's it's just a reflection. I think both of the people in my lives who I identify as narcissists, I think both of them have a similar trait of they were given so much love and admiration by their family, especially mm-hmm. by the moms, by their mothers. And so there's a lot of like them giving so, so much to the child um, that I think they have this like weird sense of, you know, like everybody must serve me and, you know, and all of that. Because and also when there needs to be a protection, when they did something wrong, the mothers are the ones to kind of come in and solve things for them. So there was never this form of like, okay, you do something and something bad's going to happen to you because there's always someone saving you for both of them is something that I realized. Yeah. When, when somebody says, you know, there was a, a dominant parental figure, I always wonder where was the other one? You know, if, if mom was very present or dad was very present, then there's always an imbalance, right? So as we said, it's all this, they, they may have gotten a lot from mom, but in, in, internally they're then wondering, where's the other one (laughs) you know how come the other one isn't giving so it it, you know it creates some sort of vacuum uh, or struggle internally yeah I'm I'm now now I know I'm sidetracking but it's just making me think of disorganized attachment styles and everything because you might have a very present parent figure and the other parent is completely neglectful and could still build a narcissistic 
child, possibly. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, so that, that feelings about being neglected aren't um, talked about, right? Because mm. then, you know, yeah. with, with the very present parent, because then the present parent, I, am I not enough for you? You know, so it's, it's I think it's, it's just a difficult situation for, I mean, parents and, and child alike. Um, but being mindful that there, there are just so many complicated things that need people to um, behave and act and feel the way they are. Yeah, I love this topic, guys. Let's move to the fourth crazy worst way, which is always trying to beat them at their own game, thinking you're giving them a taste of their own medicine. I, I can see the pattern from all the crazy worst ways where... Um, I guess, yeah, you're always trying to, you end up competing with the person just to have a say. And and then in the end, you end up like trying, I suppose, like a power shift, trying to give them a taste of their own medicine, right? That's how it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just, you know, hey, I've played nice with you. Mm. I've empathized. I try to hold space. I try to be there for you. And yet still, I feel like, I am not appreciated. I feel like I'm taking advantage on. I feel that you feel entitled to my time and to mm. my love and to my support. And now I'm going to shift the, the script whereby yeah. I'm going to give you what you gave me. Yeah. And I'm going to show to you that mm. it's actually not as fun as you think it would be. Mm. And so I think that happens as opposed to the end of the of the relationship was when I was just, I'm so done with this right now. Yeah. You know, I wow. give you so much care and you don't want to listen to me. So I'm just going to hurt you yep. the way you hurt me. I'm so fed up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would do that sometimes with him uh, intentionally um, and hoping that he will learn. I think he gets hurt, but I don't think it really is inside of his brain so much. <laughs> I think until I actually have a proper conversation with him, which we did that one time when none of us were, you know, in our um, brain of like unhappy or whatever we were just actually very calm and I was like hey I have something to talk to you about and that's when I told him like all these things that you've did it's very painful and if that's the thing with like people who well I don't know I'm just assuming but both of the people in my life who are narcissists they're also very short tempered so whenever they're short tempered what they will tell me is that if I'm hurt I want to make sure everybody's hurt. Mm. I will say anything I can just to hurt everybody else because it makes me feel good. And that is in itself is a power shift, right? It's because you're losing power. That's why they're emotional. And by get, get attacking everybody else, it makes them having power. And a lot of the times, they don't even remember what they said to the other people. They were just like, oh, like, I don't remember what I said. I was just upset. And then I would be like, yeah, but I remember everything that you said. You said this, 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 this. And then he was like, oh, I didn't know. I was like, yeah, because you didn't care. You just said what you needed to say. Wow. And that was hurtful. And I mm-hmm. actually had this conversation. I actually even had this conversation with that family member as well. She sat with him. And I'm like, hey, you did all of this over the years. And even when I was really young, you said this to me. He was like, I didn't know. So he like listened that time. And after a few a few weeks later, he goes back to, a few days later, he goes back to his old patterns. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow. Yeah. Um. I feel like I hear this a lot, though. Like, I always hear people tell stories to specifically narcissists and they have to remind them what was said. And they and they, they start imagining things, which is gaslighting, right? You imagine that it's a whole different story and they don't remember as it is. And you feel like, is there something wrong with you? But is it is this normal for narcissists? Do they have, like, a memory gap or what happens here? You know? 
I don't. I don't know what is normal for narcissists. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I, I think we uh, generally, all of us, remember transgressions done to us more than maybe we've transgressed to others, right? Mm. Like when we're hurt, we we can recall it, and we. Um, but maybe we're not. We want to forget maybe when we've hurt others. So there's all this natural uh, motivation to do that. I am curious, however, Jess, of you know when you started playing his game, like how did that affect you? It makes me feel like bad. Uh, I want to say the the it wasn't satisfying. The S word. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if you can swear here. Well, it's not really a heavy swear. Um, no, it makes me feel horrible. Right? That's not me. Uh-huh. You know, if I am unhappy with something, I would tell that person and we would have this mature conversation. But, you know, towards the end of the relationship, I just didn't like who I was. I didn't like who I became to be. I was this very small, like what you said earlier, like I was this very small person. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't have proper conversation with people and I... It was just I I didn't I didn't recognize myself mm-hmm. because I sacrificed so much of me right. in this relationship. Right. So you became smaller, and then your focus just became on him. My focus right. became my values change, uh-huh. uh, whoever I was. I was being my truest self, which is really interesting because I had this question, uh, this conversation with Ferry earlier about um, the casual dates that I have right now, the people who I'm currently dating, not seriously, but just casually. I felt more of myself with them because I was able mm-hmm. to express me. Fully, and if I'm unhappy with something, I'll tell them straight up. Imagine that versus with someone who I've been with for three years. I I just didn't recognize who I was. A shadow of yourself. Shadow myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, just talking about this right now, um, I never really had this realization, and it just makes me feel really sad right now. And I'm trying not to break down, <laughs> but it, yeah, like I realize that now, verbally saying all of these things and just being able to then ponder all because all of these things I think to myself. I've never really actually verbally talked it out, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, oh yeah, it's so kasiana. Just I guess that's the problem we're having a therapist on the show too, because yeah. <laughs> you're right. You know, it 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 does. I think rightly so because you're now looking back and going saying, man. It was hard for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was hard for you. And also, I think some friends would also be like, how can you be in that relationship for three years? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? And I'm like, to be honest, that time, I, I just really cared for him. I just mm-hmm. had so much hope that, you know, we can grow for this, from this. And you know, I, I, at the end of the day, you just can't help anybody. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, he, it's his, it's it's his decision, too. You know, and yeah. he wasn't deciding to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... The sad thing is, I think towards the end of our relationship was when he decided to change. Mm-hmm. When he started te- taking active uh, measures to go to therapy or mm-hmm. to to kind of start doing all this like inner child healing. Mm-hmm. And he was like showing me all these different things. And, and by then I was just like, Too late. I'm so happy yeah. for you, but mm-hmm. I can't. That, that's mm-hmm. your own journey. Right. Yeah. 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 And thanks for sharing that and I know that's hard to share everything that you shared but I can relate in a way based on what everything is said because I think in past relationships too I was also very the empathetic person always trying to fix and thinking that I would always wanted to save the person but in the end yeah you end up losing yourself so I'm glad that you did get out of it in the end um and my other thought is now before I move on to the next one is I think people might be wondering is being a narcissist, is it curable? They say it's not. So when I, I thought of that when you said that he started going to therapy, but does it usually help um, narcissists or 
is it doomed for them? I mean, I, well, this is me. <laughs> this is me do. making it. I like. have to believe that no one is doomed. It's <laughs> sort of what I have to do. Um, you know, I, I think depends on how old you are. You know, a 50-year-old is very much harder to change than a 25-year-old, right? Um, so the more you've lived your life in a certain way, um, I think then just making different choices or, or seeing the world differently is very challenging. But if you have the motivation, if you're sort of going to take, uh, go on a limb and, and challenge yourself and be willing to be challenged, then yes, I think it's possible. Um, it's, it's a tough journey. It's not overnight, mm -hmm. you know, and so in some ways it really depends on the person and then finding someone um, who will be willing to walk that journey with you. Nice. That's, it's good. That's good news to, to hear. The very fifth crazy worst way on dealing with a narcissist. The very fifth? The very fifth. fifth. <laughs> the very fifth crazy worst way. Is that, does that even make sense? The very fifth? Yeah. Sure. sure. The last one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I correct myself. The last crazy worst way on dealing with a narcissist. Number five, Jazz wrote as well, internalize everything they say until you doubt yourself. Yeah, that sounds like proper proper gaslighting, basically. <laughs> Is, did that um, happen all the... I mean, yeah, definitely. It obviously did, didn't it? Yeah, I, well, I, I guess like with this one, internalize un until you doubt yourself. I think it's more of, you know... Sometimes when when I say something and then when they say like, you know, they, when they make it about themselves and straight away make me question like, wait, am I being too much with like my joking? Mm, yes. You know, because when I joke about like, um, oh, you know, my, my my friend and the partner go on holiday and suddenly you became very like, you know, whoa, like about like that. You know, it just makes me, wait, was I being too much? Because I was just clearly joking. Like, yeah. I wasn't trying very hard to, like, pull your ego down, pull your self-esteem down. I wasn't doing any of that. Um, or am I asking too much as a partner? Sometimes when I when I ask him for help, when I ask him for to do something, and he's just like, you know, I'm like, I, I can't do this because I'm, like, busy and stuff like that. Am I asking too much? Because... Mm. When I when you ask me for help, I drop down everything. But maybe maybe that is expected of me because I am more emotionally and like mentally stronger than you because I don't have um, whatever whatever a, a hard childhood. I don't know, right? Like I just kind of like trying to again. I think it's like empathy me trying to um, empathize and trying yeah. to understand and mm. you know. And then I think towards the end, I was just like, no, like it's very it's fair for me to ask for this of you. Yeah, you know why am I trying yeah. to make sense of all the situations. So, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, understanding or, you know, am I showing less love? Am I showing more love? Am I asking too much for you to move your box? Because I just want to feel like I'm a part of this this house. You having all your boxes here just kind of makes me feel like, because he just moved that time. So I was just like, can you please pack your box away? Like, or just leave it there. You know, I'm going through a lot. I'm like, okay, one month later, the box is still there and mm. I just don't have room. You know, like, and I don't want to clean it because I'm not your mom. And yeah. I think towards the end, I just blew up. I just like, you know what? I'm going to help you pack. I'm like, I'm put. <laughs> your things away and I didn't I was like crying and like mm. putting it away so I'm like you don't you don't appreciate me and he was just like why are you upset over a box mm. you know I'm like wait am I crazy because I'm upset over you know like all of those things so it like, just yeah. built up yeah, just like, of up. course you're gonna explode after a while sounds it just it just sounds basically guilt trippy to me which really makes me mad when, when I hear it you know uh, 
Well, I think it raises a great point throughout your whole story, Jess, is that, you know, you can empathize, but empathy without boundaries is mm-hmm. not great, you know, and you really need both, right? You can say, I could be really understanding, um, but that doesn't mean I sacrifice myself. There was a, a sort of great story my therapist told me, and my therapist has like, you know, he's old. Um, and so he has all these, you know, sort of sayings and stories. And one of the stories that kind of really struck with me was, he said, oh, this is a real story. And I don't know what is true, guys. But, you know, let's assume that it's true. You know, there was a bus in India. So it was like very specific location. So it must be true. There was a bus in India. And, um, you know, it was a school bus and um, in a remote area. And um, so he was the only way that people could get to school or to get to where they wanted to go. And so he would then make stops and people would get on and he'd go to the next stop and people would get on. And then the bus would be full, but there will still be people who wanted to get on. And he would say, you know, I care for you. I can only carry you in my heart, but I can't care, take you on to my bus. Mm. And so just learning your limits and, and th- there is that pain of having to say no, yeah. but realizing that it's full. Yeah. You know, and, and that you have to keep going on. Um, so you, I can care for you. Um, I, I Sorry, I can care about you. Yeah. You know, but I cannot care for you yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really, really, really relate to that because sometimes when, for example, with family, you love them so much, but when you just take on everything, you just hate them so much in the mm-hmm. end and then but yeah you really have to set those boundaries right you're yeah. no longer a cheerful giver yeah it's just be- that's a resentment yeah yeah love I, th- that. I think that's why towards the end i was just like i will make you taste what you did to me you know what i mean <laughs> um and i like what you said could you repeat that again empathy without boundary what, is it? what did you say Oh boy, I've got wise things that I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's important to have empathy with boundaries. Yeah, yeah. empathy boundaries. with boundaries. Yeah. You're just sacrificing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. it needs to yeah. be a pleasure yes. to help others. Yes. Yeah. And I think towards the end, um, it was just that. That was exactly what it was. I was like, you know, if you love someone, sometimes you just have to let them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like he needs to grow and and find healing on his own and I can't be there because I'm also in my journey of healing and understanding myself yeah yeah thanks for sharing that I feel we really carry so much of ourselves and I suppose when we are still learning in the process and someone is is having so much stuff it's hard for you to heal yourself and know what exactly is right in the end you take on the baggage because you feel like oh I'm not exactly sorted yet yet and then you do all this but thanks so much Jazz for sharing all of it and thank you for that lovely story at the end too about getting on the bus and off the bus and on the bus correct that's that's right yeah i love it thank you for listening to the i'm not crazy i'm in therapy podcast do follow at sitting in the nude for my community platform where we talk about all things vulnerable and do follow dr chua's organization at relate malaysia for your mental health care